just want to say thank you to, to the YWAM team. Um, I really appreciate it the way they worship, but I also really appreciate YWAM. We have two YWAM bases in Taiwan, and we've had opportunity to partner with YWAM a number of times, and yeah, so thank you so much. It's fun to be able to do this together here. <laughs> anyway, I am very happy to be with you. Um, I've just been enjoying my time here already, and uh, it's just good. It's just good getting to meet a little bit more of our family. You know, I, I like to call the Christian Mission Alliance our family, as we've gotten to know people around the world, and uh, it, it's really been good. But I want to share with you uh, a little bit of our family in Taiwan, I guess you could say. And... Uh, begin with this lady. Her name is Ming Ming. We moved into the community where we are living now in Taiwan, which is a rural community, a least reached part of Taiwan, and we moved there about 13 years ago to plant a church. But we didn't want to start out, we didn't know anybody in this town, we didn't want to start out by saying, we are here to start a church. We were afraid that among our, our Taiwanese community, the walls would go up. And so we said, Lord, what do we do? And he led us to go to the public schools and tell them, um, well, we're not actually teachers, but we speak English. And because they have mandatory English classes, we said, we would be happy to volunteer if you could use us. And they jumped on that. And so we did a lot, quite a number of years of English teaching in the schools, in the elementary school, and the junior high school in our town. And one of the people we met was Ming Ming, because she is a school nurse. And, uh, not just going into to teach. I mean, we would meet all the kids, we'd meet a lot of parents, we'd meet teachers and staff. But um, schools are really a, a place of, uh, how can I say it, relationship building. Because they often get people just stopping in to visit with the principal and the staff if they're not in the middle of a class or something. And you sit around and drink tea because that's what we do in Taiwan. And Ming Ming's usually one of the ones that makes tea. So she has become a very, very good friend of ours. Ming Ming is not a Christian. But one day, a uh, number of years ago, we had a visitor from the U.S. in Taiwan, a visiting pastor, and we were showing him our community, we were showing him the things that we were doing, and we took him to the school where Ming Ming works. And we sat around and drank tea. And in the course of the conversation, Ming Ming just said, you know, I had a dream last night. And in my dream, I was singing a song in English. Now, Ming Ming has, speaks a little bit of English, but not enough that she's going to carry on a full conversation or sing a song in English. And she said, I was singing a song in English, and when I woke up, I was crying, but I don't know what the song is. And you are English speakers, maybe you're going to know what this song is. And she began to hum Amazing Grace. Oh. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and so my husband Tim and our friend Rob you know, they told her what the song was. They told her how that song came to be written. And later we printed the words off in Chinese so that she could see them herself. And that dream had an impact on Ming Ming. She knew. She knew it was from God. And God has done some other things to pursue Ming Ming's heart. I, you know, like I say, I wish I could say she has come to Christ. But we're still praying and we're trusting that that day will come. But that little incident is one of the incidents that I see where it reminds me that as believers, we need to always be ready. We don't know when God is going to give us those divine appointments 
where he just opens up the door and as believers we have a chance to share what we believe. And uh, that was one of those moments for Ming Ming. And we've run into countless times like that, but we have to be ready. That's actually part of this year's missions conference theme that is being used in Alliance churches all around the U.S. The theme is Awaken the Kingdom Reality. You've probably seen the posters around in the church. And you can see those sub-points underneath that remind us we need to always be ready, always be investing, and always be serving. And um, I mentioned to the, the earlier service that when they rolled out this theme, my husband Tim was kind of like, well, I'm not sure if I like this Awaken theme. It kind of sounds like we're coming into the churches and saying, what's the matter with you? Wake up, you're all asleep, you know, you're dead, or something like that. <laughs> but that's not the point, of course. The point is that all of us, we, we just need that fresh awakening to what God is doing around the world, what is happening in his kingdom, and how to live with an even stronger passion for his kingdom in this world. And so um, I'd just like to share a little bit about that this morning. The big question that comes is why? Awaken the kingdom reality. Why always be ready, always be investing, always be serving? Because... Our king, Jesus, is returning. We don't know when he's coming, but he has given us a job to do while we wait for his return. And the founder of the Alliance, A.B. Simpson, he used to like to say this. He used to like to say, we need the church, we need to bring back the king. And that has become part of our Alliance DNA as this family of churches. It's why we do missions. It's one of the reasons we do missions. And that is based on this verse from Matthew 24, 14. Would you read that with me? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so when Simpson read this verse, he said, well, you know, Jesus is coming back, but something needs to happen first. The gospel needs to be preached in the whole world. It needs to be there. And then, and only then, the end will come. So we do have a responsibility as his church, as his people, to be bringing that message to the lost people all around the world. I know for some people, when we hear this verse, and maybe we don't admit it, but for some people, when we read it, and especially that last line, then the end will come, it can sound a little bit ominous, you know, the end. And in Taiwan, actually, there's an organization that likes to put these banners up on like telephone poles all over the place in the mountains and stuff, and it's like, kind of like that, repent, the end is near. And Taiwanese that don't know Jesus, they read that and they think, ugh, you know, I don't like the feeling of that one. But for us, who know the Lord, it shouldn't be an ominous thing. Yes, there are some huge events that will take place at the end of, end of times, we know that. But that's not where our focus is. Our focus is on the fact that Jesus is returning. And I like to think of it a little bit this way. I like to think of it in the same way when we have a much-loved family member or guest who's coming for a visit. And we do things to get ready for their visit. My kids came home for Christmas. And so I was getting ready, you know, I was getting the house ready, I was getting a guest room ready, a good place for them to stay. I'm cooking the foods that they love to eat. And on the day that I know they're going to get there, I find myself just often wandering over and just looking out the window one more time to see if the car is pulling in the driveway. Because there's that sense of anticipation. 
that the one we love is coming, and we can't wait to see him. And that's the kind of a heart that, that God wants us to have as we think about Jesus' return. Yes, we're going to do those things that he wants us to be doing to get ready, and we're going to be watching and waiting for him. Now, I know that as we live our lives in this world, that whole idea of getting ready, of waiting for Jesus. You know, we don't just stop and, and uh, everything ends. We've got our jobs. We've got the mundane things to do. We still have to wash the dishes, clean the house, all those ordinary things. But the idea is we don't want to lose that sense of purpose, that sense of reason for why we're here and what he's called us to do. So this morning, as I think about this, one of the things that I've just sort of let my, wander through my mind is this. Now, we don't know when Jesus is coming back, but imagine for a moment, what if we did? What if we knew Jesus was returning next month? Would it change our lives? I know it would change mine. There are some things that would definitely shift. My priorities would begin to shift dramatically. If I knew I just had one month before Jesus came back. It would affect how I spend my money. It would affect how I spend my time, who I spend my time with. The things I do, it would be so much more intentional. And I'd probably spend a lot less time on some of the unimportant things. And again, yeah, we have our normal lives. We have the daily routines, but we want to hang on to that, that readiness for Jesus' return. So this morning, I'm just going to throw this out. I don't know all of you, but I would ask this question. Are you personally ready to meet Jesus? I hope so, and I think most of you are, and if you are, I just encourage you, keep living your lives with that expectancy for his return. Live your life with that purpose. He asks for our all. He asks us to live every day for him. But the second part of this whole thing is to always be investing. Last summer, when we moved back to the U.S. Uh, for our one-year home assignment, we bought a house. We are first-time homeowners, and... Um, we are going back to Taiwan this summer, but we just kind of felt like it was time to have a place to put down a few roots. So we did this whole investment thing, and that has got me thinking a lot about what that means. That's a material investment, buying a house. But what we're focusing on this morning is those spiritual investments of our lives for the kingdom. That's the whole awaken the kingdom reality, to invest our lives for the things that aren't temporary, they're the things that are eternal. The lady on the left is our friend Sally. Um, we met Sally when we moved into our community, like I say, almost 13 years ago now, and she was already a believer. But of all the people I have met in my life, I think Sally has probably had the hardest life. She has really faced challenges. She is actually not from Taiwan, she was born in Indonesia. And uh, her mother died in childbirth, so I never knew her mother, her stepmother, really didn't want her. Um, she was, she's always had physical uh, problems, a, a very uh, weak, frail body. And uh, yeah, struggled in Indonesia with that sense of not really being wanted. Um, when the opportunity arose and her uh, stepmom wandered out of the house, she ended up marrying a man in Taiwan and moving to Taiwan. But life has not been easy for her in Taiwan either. 
Her husband is an alcoholic. He has gambling addictions. They have just a small food stand, and uh, you know, some days they might only bring in $30 for the whole day, and then still need to buy for the next day what they need to, to be able to sell. So she struggles. The little bit that they bring in, you know, her husband will gamble away, or he'll drink. And he can sometimes be very verbally abusive. So she's had it hard. But the thing about Sally is she loves God, and she really trusts God. She has got that simple, pure faith that just takes hold of what God says and believes it. And Sally loves to pray, especially when she's facing crisis. And the pattern over these last 12 or so years has been this. Sally will come and meet with me several times a week, at least two times a week, just to pray. But this is often what it looks like. It will be towards the end of a long day, or maybe I've been in meetings, or I've been busy with a lot of other ministry, and you know what it's like sometimes at the end of a busy day. You come home, and you just want to crash. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to talk to people. You want to relax. And then the phone will ring. And it's Sally, and she'll say, are you home? <laughs> and 99% of the time, I will say, yes, Sally, come on over. I might not feel like talking. I might not even feel like praying. But I say yes to Sally. Now, sometimes Sally can't pay her phone bill. She doesn't have a phone, and she'll just, the doorbell will ring. And I know, I know, it's probably Sally. And she'll just show up at my door. But I invite her in. The reason I do that is because Sally is a good investment. And I know that sounds a little strange because all people are worthy of our investments. All people are important. But this is what I mean. There are some people where you can pour a lot of energy and time into and you, you don't see anything happening. They might be stuck. And it's difficult to invest in someone like that long term. But Sally isn't like that. Because she may come in in tears. She may come in discouraged and frustrated and fearful of her future. But when we pray and when she looks to God and when she hears his word, she believes it. And she receives it. And nine times out of ten, she leaves my home rejoicing in God and in victory. And we watch her grow. And that's why I say Sally's a good investment. That's why I say yes to her. Because I can see how God is working in her and how she, she believes him. Well, about a year and a half ago, one day Sally was in 7-Eleven in our town. And she saw this other lady. And when she saw her, she thought, okay, she looks like she's probably from Indonesia also. But when she saw this lady that she didn't know, um, the Holy Spirit prompted her, Sally, go talk to her. Sally is an extreme introvert. And she said, God, I can't just walk up to this lady I don't know and start a conversation. I can't do that. And she didn't. But the next time she was at 7-Eleven, she saw this lady again. And again, God spoke to her and said, Sally, go talk to her. And this time she said, okay, Lord. And I'm sure it was just a conversation like, oh, are you from Indonesia? Where are you from? How long have you been here? But she quickly found out this lady, her name is Hera, her story. Hera is from a Muslim background. She is from Indonesia. Uh, she came to Taiwan about 15 years ago to work, met her husband, a Taiwanese man, and stayed in Taiwan. But Hera has a very difficult marriage. I don't know all the details, but I know it's a very difficult situation. And in 15 years in Taiwan, she didn't have a single friend. 
until she met Sally. And Sally has invited Hera to our church, and I think she's about this close to really giving her heart to Jesus, which is, as you know, very difficult for a Muslim. But when Hera is struggling, um, when she is facing whatever abuse she's receiving from her husband, who does she turn to? She turns to Sally. And about the same time that uh, Sally met Hera, another Indonesian lady came into our church plant, and her name is Jeannie. She was already a Christian. But Jeannie has a difficult life, too. She also has a very difficult marriage. She has a severely handicapped son, and at that time, she was going through treatment for cancer. And you know who Jeannie goes to? She goes to Sally. Just before we were going to come back to the U.S., last July, Sally stopped by, and she said, you know, these two women, they keep coming to me with all their problems. And she said, it's really hard. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, she said, why? Why do they come to me? And I said, Sally, it's because God knows he can trust you with these two women. He knows you're going to accept them. He knows you're going to listen. You're going to walk with them. And he knows you're going to point them to Jesus. God trusts you. And you know what my little takeaway on that was? God just tripled my investment. Okay? So if Sally was my initial investment, she is reaching out to two others, and it is tripled. And that is the kingdom of God. And that's how he wants to be using us as we spend time, as we invest in the people around us. Because the people around us are worth it. And God is doing incredible things. I think most of you know this story. Uh, I'm not, we're not going to take the time to read it this morning. I'm just going to refresh your memories. This is a parable that Jesus told about uh, the parable of the talents. Where the master is going on a journey and he calls three of his servants. He knows they've all got different strengths and abilities. And he gives them different amounts according to their ability. So the first man gets ten bags of gold. The second man five bags of gold. And the third man, one bag of gold, and then the master leaves. The first two, they invest the money that they're giving to the master, and it doubles. The third man, either out of fear of losing it, or as the master later says, laziness, he takes and he buries it. He doesn't do anything with it. When the master returns, he praises the first two, who took that money, invested it, and, and uh, got a good return on it. But the third man... He is not happy. He said, you could have at least put it in the bank and earned some interest on it. Take that away from him and give it to the one who has ten. And we all know that's a story, really, about investment. They received and they used what they were given. And God has given each one of us different things. And you know, as I think about those three men, the, the, the first man, he's like the guy that just really is capable, has special abilities, very talented, and we all know people like that that are just, wow, they're amazing. The second man, he's more your average person. And I relate to him, and I know some of you do too. You know, I feel like, okay, you know, I'm average. But what I like is that the master's words to the first man and the second man are exactly the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. God is not so concerned about how much we do. 
or even how wonderfully we do it. He's asking for people who are willing, willing and faithful to just take whatever he gives us, whatever circumstances he asks us, wherever he sends us and say, okay, I'll do it because the results are in his hands. And, and that is part of the kingdom too. That's why we keep on investing. But as I think about investments, um, there's a few things that I feel like I've learned. One is this. An investment is costly. Okay? That's kind of the whole thing behind it. Buying a house is a costly venture. And uh, when we step out for the Lord into a ministry or to something he's calling us to do, it costs us. It may cost us financially. It may cost us in our time commitments. It'll cost us in our energy. It isn't necessarily easy to serve the Lord. It can be costly. Secondly, investments require commitment. And we live in a world that doesn't always like to commit long-term to things. Taiwan is the same way, actually. And, and sometimes I feel the same way. We're a little fearful of really committing to something because it's costly. But when you know that God is asking you to do something for him, I just encourage you, don't hold back. Jump in all the way. Persevere. Even if you don't see the fruit from it. Uh, this lady, uh, her English name is Lena. And she's also someone that we met shortly after moving into our community in Taiwan. And she's not a Christian. But we became friends. We actually taught her kids English, and uh, when we'd have special events going on, Lena was usually willing to come. But we really did not see anything happening in her heart as far as responsiveness to the Lord. Until about five years ago, something began to change. She's actually Sally's next-door neighbor, too. And she began joining into a Bible study. She began listening and hearing the gospel more. But this is what Lena would say to me. The first time she said it this way, she said, I am at 50%, meaning belief in Jesus. I'm at 50%, but don't push me. And we said, of course, we're not going to push you. You know, you need to hear from God. But she kept on learning, kept on studying with us. And every once in a while, every few weeks, every couple months, I'd say, so Lena, where are you now? And she'd think for a minute and say, well, I'm at 70%, but don't push me. No, we're not going to push you. And bit by bit, that faith began to grow until a year ago Christmas, she said she was at 100%. All in. And we see it. We see it in Lena. We see her trust in God, her walk with him. And she was fully ready to commit 100% to Jesus. She wanted to be baptized as a Christian, but she was afraid to tell her husband. She didn't know how he would respond. And so we said, as a church, we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God will give you the right time, that God will give you the right words, and we're going to pray for your husband's heart to be able to accept. And obviously, we want her husband to come to Christ, too. So we did. And a short time later, she got the courage to tell him her decision, and he was okay with it. And so, last Easter, we had the tremendous joy of baptizing Lena. It was a 12-year journey. A 12-year journey to this point. It required some commitment. Now, I will also tell you, her husband will occasionally come to things at church, as long as there's food. <laughs> so, so he, bit by bit, you know, he, he knows our church family, he's a good guy, and we're seeing God at work there too. But praise God, 
for what he's doing. But again, investments are costly, they require commitment, they're also risky. We really don't know how things are going to turn out or even if they're going to turn out. There are ministries we start that fail, at least by human sight. It looks like there's nothing that happened. You know, we don't always know what's behind the scenes, what God is doing. But yeah, not, not every investment is going to turn out like we expect it will. It is risky. We might not get to see the completion. There are so many people in Taiwan that uh, we have had opportunities to plant seeds. We've shared the gospel. We've seen God at work. And then they disappear from our lives, and we never hear the rest of the story. And maybe we won't until we get to heaven. But the key is a good investment is always worth it. And the difference between any kind of an investment that we do, you know, a worldly type investment, um, real estate or, or businesses, and a spiritual investment is that God has promised to back everything that we are doing for him. Where he is leading us, he's going to provide. He's going to give everything that we need. And so that's why it is worth it. So this morning, um, as I share this a little bit with you, which, by the way, I'll tell you, I feel this like I'm doing things a little bit backwards <laughs> this week. Because often I share a lot about, I get a chance to share a lot about the things that are happening in Taiwan and about our ministries. And then I encourage the investment. And you're getting the investment part. And you have to come to the connection groups to hear more about the, the details of what we're doing. So hang in there for that. If some of this you're wondering a little bit more about, we can get the details later. But I do want to challenge you and encourage you this morning especially regarding investments. I want to encourage you to continue to invest in this church, your own body of Christ. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your leaders. Be involved in the ministry in this place. And that's going to look different for all of you. Just like those servants all had different abilities, they weren't all expected to do the same things. You know, Not everybody's going to lead the youth or the Sunday school. Not everybody's going to be standing up here. But God has ministry for every one of you in this church. And he desires to have you partner however he's leading you. And it changes through the years too. Um, I know that Northern California has gone through some hard, hard times. Um, you know, we've seen it. We've watched on the news. And I've listened to some of your stories too. And I know that there are people in this church who are going through other kinds of struggles and challenges in families or with health. And at those times, you know, it's so easy as believers to want to just pull back and say, all right, now's my time just to take a break, to be comfortable for a little while, to not put out too much. And I encourage you to resist that. Yes, there are seasons of rest. And God does lead us into those. But he doesn't intend us to stay there. No matter who we are, God has more for us and wants to continue to use us. That's that always be serving thing. He'll show you the ways, and it'll be different for every one of you, but continue to serve him in this place. Continue to invest in your community in Redding, Redding, California, or maybe some of you live in outlying areas, but it's the people who live around you, your neighbors, the people that you're going to, to work with or going to school with, and they are lost. They need hope, and they need us to be there for them. You know, be ready for those opportunities. Ask God to open doors, but continue to invest in this community however he's leading you. 
I also encourage you to invest in our Alliance family. And I like to call this a family. It feels like a family to me. It's a family that's all around the world. And it's a good family. It's not the only family. There are other great churches, other great ministries, like, like I said, YWAM. There are other great ones, but this one is very worthy of investing in. The Alliance does missions well, and it's a great family. Get to know them. You know, find out how to pray for missionaries and churches around the world. Um, we also, my husband and I, have a prayer card that they're out on the back table. Feel free to take one, and there's a notebook there. If you want to sign up with an email address, we send out updates for how you can pray for Taiwan and the needs there. But get involved. Have that global impact. And you heard earlier also, um, so I mentioned the pray. You heard also, one more, there we go, uh, about the Great Commission Fund, which is the method that the Alliance uses to support our ministries, to send out new workers, um, to you know provide for our living expenses. And we are dependent on you and you as individuals and as churches and our Alliance churches around the U.S. for that support. And I do want to thank you too because I know many of you are investing and as a church you're investing in that and I appreciate it. Now you're wondering why I've got my chopsticks out. <laughs> if you're at the youth group, you know why. Um, so how many of you have ever eaten with chopsticks? Just raise your hand. How many of you are good at eating with chopsticks? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Um, when we first started out, when we first moved to Taiwan, we were not good at it. You know, the table would get very messy, plus dropped food. You feel like you're hungry because you can't eat as fast as you do as I could with a fork or a spoon. But we've gotten pretty good at it now. It's kind of second nature to eat with chopsticks. The thing about chopsticks is you need two of them working together. Now, in all honesty, there are foods you can't eat with one chopstick. You can do that poke method with certain things, but you're going to really be limited. You definitely can't eat rice that way. You need the two working together. And in the same way, uh, as international workers go out and serve in different places around the world, there's a lot of things we can do on our own. Obviously, we have God. We have the Holy Spirit. There are things we can do, though, on our own, but we're going to be limited. But as you work together with us, that is when we are most effective in serving God. It's a partnership thing. And so we encourage you to partner with us in that. And finally, I just want to encourage you, invest your life in whatever God is leading you to. And that will be different for all of you. Some of the younger people here, maybe God is going to ask you to go to one of those hard places around the world where there is so little access to the gospel. For some of you, you're going to stay right here because that's where God wants you, but he wants to use you in this place. He might send you to another part of the country. He might ask you to, to begin to get involved in a ministry, and maybe you've been feeling hesitant and feeling like, I'm not sure I can do it, but I encourage you to step out in faith I believe that God is calling you as individuals and this church, Trinity Alliance Church, to step out in faith and follow him into some new territory. I don't know what that is. You're going to have to ask him what that is. But my question to you is this. Are you willing to jump into this venture and give your all for Jesus, to invest everything? 
He is worth it. And it's the best investment you can ever make. And I would just encourage you together and remind you that together we will do the work we need to do to bring back the kingdom. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this church where your presence is so evident, where your love is so evident in this church body. And I, my prayer is that your love will flow out from this place and impact uh, Reading and the communities that are represented here. I pray that your love and your power would flow out from this place and impact people around the world that, um, that they may never even meet face to face but because they're part of your body. Lord, just awaken a fresh anticipation for your return and an understanding of what you're calling each one of us to, to do in preparation for your return. Lord, bless this church and continue to use them that there will be much fruit to their ministry. I ask this in the name of Jesus our King. Amen.